It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Asianboxing.info is the website. Scott and Colin back with you here on a big fight week. Scott, how are you today? I'm, I'm good. Uh, excited. Lots of action coming off. So, yeah, not bad. And yourself? I'm doing well. It's heating up in the boxing world like it's heating up in your world, Scott. I heard it's uh, it's getting a little toasty over there in the UK. Yes, it's an amazing 64 Fahrenheit, I think. We're dying in this weather. 64 Fahrenheit would be in, in California. That's uh that's a you know, that's January. Um you know, that's Christmas time. Yeah, we've actually got the Christmas tree up. We do a mid year Christmas every year now and I've just went in the snow. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, it's heating up for you, it's heating up over here in California as well. And uh, the boxing world really getting hot. Let's start off with Kenichi Ogawa, the Japanese sensation who really rose from the ashes. I think uh, you know a lot of controversy around his career. Of course, had uh, that positive test, but uh, now he's back. He's a champ, and he's defending his title against Joe Cordina. Yeah, um, the whole drug test fiasco uh, for what's assumed to be a skin cream um in his bout against Ted and Farmer he then spent over a year out the ring which was interesting uh when a ban is like here off over there uh in the US a year means they make a comeback on a year and a week for him he's out the ring for 15 months and um a very emotional journey back to redemption and last year we saw him beat Fuzile for the the IBF title, which he's now defending for the first time. He had planned to defend the title in March at home, and I think due to COVID, that bout never took place. But now the Cardina fight, and it's an interesting one, a really, really interesting one, because for Ogawa, he could become the first Japanese world champion to successfully defend a title in Europe, whilst Cardina wants to continue with the long reign of great Welsh world champions, and their styles should gel, and yeah, no, it's a it's a really really interesting uh, matchup. That's what I love about sports, um, not just boxing, but the the idea of redemption. And uh, he he went through that tough time in his career, but he's really worked his way back up to the top, and it, it's impressive. And it speaks a lot to his character, uh, to his tenacity. And now he's he's on top of the world with that IBF title. And he's looking to defend it again for Ogawa. Like you mentioned, that impressive win against Fuzili. Uh, how do you see this one going against uh, a younger Cordina and a, and a Cordina who's undefeated? I genuinely see this as a toss-up. I think Ogawa's got the power to basically hurt anyone in the division. And Cordina is slippery, but we saw against, I believe, um, Fruit Kubinov that he can be caught, he can be hit. And with Ogawa's power, he's always dangerous. With his patience as well. I think that patience, the, um, the sort of training of Sendai Tanaka, the, the count punching of Ogawa could make him a really, really, really tough night for a Cordina. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Ogawa put Cordina down uh, later on, on route to a razor-thin decision in the UK. Impressive fire, Ogawa. I was extremely impressed with his last fight. Uh, Scott, let's move on to, to the big event that is going on in just a couple of days Tuesday in Japan the rematch between Nonito Donaire Naoya Inoue before we get to those two though a couple of good fights on the undercard 
a couple of really good fights with Andy Hirawaka, who I uh, I know has fought a couple of times in the US, defending his Japanese title against Shun Akaiwa. I don't see this being anything but a showcase for Hirawaka. He is too good. He's too bright. He's too sharp and just too much everything for Akaiwa. But I think in many ways this is about used to advertise Hirawaka before a potential sort of top 15, top 20 type guy. Um, he's knocking on the door of a world title fight, and I think that's what we'll see him head towards over the next year or two. The other fight I actually think is really, 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 really interesting and sees Takuma Inoue face Gekuya Furuhashi uh, to unify the WBO Asia Pacific and Japanese Super Bantamweight titles. Inoue is a retarded, uh, gutsy, skilled boxer, and Furuhashi is the exact opposite, just a determined mental pressure fighter. And their style should give us potentially one of the hidden gems of the year. Um, Furuhashi is just so hungry, so determined. Even in his mid-30s, he's probably as hungry as they come, and he'll know that a win over anywhere sees his profile explode internationally. For anywhere, a win here sees him perhaps getting a second world title fight next year. So, really good matchup, really good styles, and I'm really excited about that one. I want to go back to, to Hirooka. He's 25, he's young, he's undefeated, and you mentioned he's, he's kind of on the cusp of that world title fight, isn't it time that that maybe he steps up in competition? He has a couple good wins. I mean, uh, you know, went back and forth with with Kondo a couple years ago. Of course, that impressive TKO win against Jin Sasaki. But I think it it's time for him now to really make that next leap. Yeah, I think at the moment with the division being in such flux as it is, I think it probably makes sense for him just wait another year. But he needs to start facing some of the better guys in the division. Someone like perhaps uh, Victor Postol or O'Hara Davis. Um, one of those guys just perhaps on the slide, maybe Jose Pedraza or someone like that's got some name value would be a good idea. Just a top 15 guy, right? I mean, that is, that's probably not too much to ask for. I think he's talented enough to go toe-to-toe with a guy like that. Yeah, the problem is I think in many ways the division is so stacked at the top with Taylor Ramirez, Zapita, Progra, Caterol, Barboza. Russell, Matthias, I wouldn't put him in it with any of them, and that's maybe the top eight. So You're right. I mean, honestly, it, it might be one of the top three most stacked divisions in boxing right now, maybe top four. It's actually the most interesting division, especially when I think Taylor abandons it, because I think everyone below him is really well matched. But I still think Hirawaka perhaps just, just waits until one or two of the others wear themselves out. A lot of them are significantly older. Zapida, Progra are all in the 30s. Um, just just wait him out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Teofimo Lopez possibly coming up to 140 as well. Yeah, I think we'll see Haney there sooner rather than later as well. But Javante Davis? I mean, is Javante Davis going back there? 140's on fire. Yeah, it's an interesting division. It's a horrible place to be in, I guess, in many ways. All right, Scott, let's get to it. Now, yeah, no way. Nonito Donaire and Noe Donaire 2. The drama in Saitama, it delivered last uh, time, obviously a couple years ago. And the championship, the title fight uh, of that World Boxing Super Series, it was just a fabulous fight. Fight of the year. Uh, what does this second fight do? Does it, does it surpass that? Is that too hard of a fight to surpass? Is it going to live up to the expectations? 
I'll be honest, I think we're actually going to be underwhelmed here. Um, I think anyway we'll have learned a lot from that first ball and we'll be a lot more intelligent in how he approaches this one. In my opinion, he lost maybe three or four rounds from that entire bout. I don't know what Robert Hoyle was watching, but I think he's learned from it, learned from the experience of uh, tasting Daenerys' power, and we'll look to avoid that. I think we'll see a hit-and-run type effort from Inoue early on, breaking the body of Daenerys, and then perhaps putting the pressure on later on. But Daenerys always going to be dangerous. We've seen him since that bout just smash, absolutely smashing Nordino Bali and uh, Raymat Gabala, so... Even an old Daenerys is dangerous. I think Inuit is fully aware that an old Daenerys is dangerous. So you you do believe that Inoue is not going to kind of do what he did last time where he, he was just, he wanted, obviously, what was going for the knockout and was on a, a good streak of, of first round, second round knockouts where he was tearing through the division. And I think he thought he could do that to Donaire. I you don't think he's going to do that again this time after tasting that power and after getting his his eye messed up in that first fight? I think it's going to be a lot more intelligent. As we've seen a little bit more often from recently with the Dipe and then Maloney fights, he's willing to take his time. His last well, Two of his last three bouts have gone beyond the midway point. And prior to that, he just, yeah, like you said, he was taking people out for fun. He was taking out early. I think we're going to see an intelligent, uh, mature performance from him here. For Donaire, though, do you think that benefits him if, if Inoue takes it a little bit easier in the, the early rounds that Donaire will have a little bit more energy as they move towards those championship rounds? I don't think so. I think Donaire's legs will go, to be honest. Um, he's an old fighter. He's not a quick fighter. He's not as sharp as he used to be. His own bouts haven't been going long. Um, I think three of his last four wins have come in the first four rounds. He's not getting those longer bouts under his belt at the moment, so we don't know what his stamina is like. Other than the Inuit bout, I don't think we've seen him go beyond like seven rounds in four years or something stupid. Uh, and even that one there, he was struggling a little on. He was dropped from a body shot in round 11. Um, so yeah, I think Inuit should use his youth, should use his speed, should use a little bit of brains that he's got and just drag about a little, a little bit more than um, most might anticipate. His last bout to go the distance, besides that Anoe fight in 2019, Carl Frampton in 2018. So you're right, uh, kind of the fights after that, all pretty quick, fairly quick, uh, with you know knockouts in the fourth, the sixth, um, knocked out Obali in the fourth, Gabayo in the fourth. So uh, you're right, I, I think he, he wants to get guys out of there quickly because he is aging and, and honestly aging gracefully aging like a fine wine but uh if Inoue can can drag it out in, into the later rounds I honestly like him uh to knock out you know Donaire in the ninth tenth round how are you seeing it yeah I think I go one round long I think I say 11th but yeah I think it'll be um it'll be a late stoppage I am with Donaire having some success but eventually being just broken down eventually it's just hard to bet against O'Neill, though. He's just such a tough dog, you know. I, I, I he's a legend, right? A, a legend in the sport, uh, one of the all-time greats. You know, this kind of second half of his career, this this rejuvenation to his career when he entered the the World Boxing Super Series at bantamweight, it's added even more to the legend that is the Filipino Flash. 
Yeah, how many people in the late thirties can say they've beaten um, a twenty-four and contender and a seventeen and world champion and um, being 38, 39 when they've done that? His career is just—it's amazing, genuinely amazing career. And, and people counted him out right after after the Frampton fight. They said, "Ah, this is probably it." What was crazy to me is how he found one eighteen again after fighting at one twenty-six to be able to. To shrink down to that size again, and and to me, it's probably his best weight. Yeah, um, it's weird, isn't it? How someone managed to drop two weight classes and settle back at a weight that they they really shouldn't have ever left. Can you imagine him yeah. staying at 118 pounds when um, Yamanaka was there, for example. How great would that fight have been? He probably should have stayed there. I mean, he had good fights at 122. Some some decent fights. Obviously, he lost the one to, to Rigondeaux, but other than that, was pretty dominant at 122. I think the jump to 126, though, was where he, he bit off a little bit more than he could chew. Yeah, certainly. I think he looked really bad against Vic Dutch in you know, 126. I thought he was looking against Vic Yeka. Um, and then the Walters fight. Sure, his power carried up, but his chin wasn't going to last at such a high weight, especially when he started solo um, 108, 112. Um, but what a, what a great career. And the way he's reinvented himself as well, he's no longer the Filipino flash in the ring. He's more of a <laughs> including ball of doom. <laughs> very slow, very deliberate, but he knows he's going to get to his two knowledge. And I think that's what's made him, made him so much successful when he's uh, dropped back down. He lost his speed, right? But he sells the power and he's a smarter boxer. Yeah, smart, great timing, incredibly tough. How the hell he makes 180 pounds is still a mystery. He's huge at the weight. Um, tough, strong, powerful, nightmare to fight. And it takes a very special fight at the weight, such as anywhere, to beat him. For Inoue, he if he wins this fight, uh, who does he go after next? I'm... Hoping he says about weight and takes on Butler, and just because I think it'd be hilarious to see Butler get absolutely annihilated. <laughs> I mean, that's your—that's one of your countrymen, Scott. Yeah, yeah, he's from Liverpool, though, so I'm not wanting to see Liverpooleans get battered. Uh, well, it'd be good to unify, right? It would be good to have uh, be undisputed. Yeah, I would have loved the Casemiro fight, but well, John Real's an idiot. Um, also, if he fights Butler, there's a slim chance the fight could take place here, and I think that would be great. Then you could go. It could go for the first Bannerweight unification like, undisputed title fight in ever, I think. I don't think all four titles at the weight have ever been unified, so huge occasion. If he can win, that would be the fight to make uh, and then jump up. Because 122, I, I, there's so many good fights to make there. Yeah, um, 122, he's definitely going to end up there. There's no point in really questioning it. He will get, get that move up probably next year, perhaps New Year's Eve. Ooh. Or a little bit earlier. Yeah, late December. Um, I don't think he'll get a New Year's Eve belt. I think Fuju or whoever he's with won't want to go up against Ayaka. But yeah, let's have a September belt against Butler here. Then let him face Fulton or Akmedaliev in December. And oh, then yeah. face the other one early next year. And become a double undisputed champion i mean it would just it would make up for all the lost time that uh unfortunately the pandemic brought upon everyone right all most of these fighters basically every single fighter in this sport uh had to slow things down because of the pandemic and Inoue was no exception but he's getting back into it 
And uh, Donaire Inoue, too. Super Arena in Saitama. The drama in Saitama, too. Scott's saying it's not going to be that dramatic. It's going to be a little bit more methodical from Inoue. Um, but, hey, you never know. That's why they fight the fights. If you want the drama, watch his brother. Takuma. By the way, this is free, right, in the UK? Is this this is on YouTube? Yeah, it's on YouTube over here, uh, which is great because I failed to book the day off, so I'll be watching it at work. Oh, yeah. See, here's the thing. Why do you guys get in on YouTube? We have to go through the ESPN app, which I do have. But that doesn't seem fair at all that you, you have it on YouTube for free. To be fair, the Japanese get it on Amazon Prime for free. Now that's the way forward. Ah, uh, okay. So you don't need like a, a subscription on Prime. Uh, yeah, you pay, um, I think it's like £10 a month here for Prime. So they just get as part of their Prime subscription. It's the same for here in, in the United States, the ESPN Plus subscription. It's not a pay-per-view fight. Uh, so that's nice. Go to subscribe to ESPN while subscribing to Amazon gets you free deliveries and stuff. Uh, you're right. You're right. ESPN Plus, you don't get free deliveries. It's ridiculous. Amazon Pro, I like that. You're right. That might be the new wave. Obviously, they're doing it in Japan, but who knows? In America, in the UK, they're getting into boxing. Amazon Prime, Jeff Bezos. Who would have thought Jeff Bezos would be a boxing fan? They also showed Murata versus Golfkin on the same service, so it's obvious that that's something Japanese Amazon Prime are really interested in going through with. Free delivery, free boxing. I love it. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Asianboxing.info is the website. Uh, here we're excited for Inoue Donaire too, and uh, that is happening on Tuesday. But a week after that, Hiroto Kyoguchi is back in the ring. It's actually uh, only three days after that. Kyoguchi back in the ring. What a weird time it's been in Kyoguchi's career. It's hard to believe that he's only fought once since the start of the pandemic. He's had COVID himself in 2020. He's had, um, I think, three bouts cancelled and repeated injuries. So it's it's nice to see him back. I do wonder whether or not he's going to be 100% after being out for well over a year now. Um, but if he is, his fight with Esteban Bermudez could be uh, could be a, a potential fight of the year candidate. Both from a hard-hitting both are exciting, both are aggressive, and that's going to be an absolute wall. Kiyoguchi, just like all the other fighters, really affected by the pandemic, but him almost more than any other fighter with not only getting COVID, but having multiple bouts getting canceled because of COVID, and you mentioned that injury as well. Uh, I just hope that he could get back on track, and, and there are a lot of good fights to be made at his weight class, especially the one against our good old... Buddy Ken Shiro, who's not, that's not his name anymore. It's Taraji, Ken Taraji, but I still, I still like to call him Ken Shiro because uh, it's way cooler. Uh, does that fight happen, Scott, Kyoguchi Shiro? Both of them spoke about it. Both of them said they want it, but both of them said they wanted it for, what, six years now or something stupid? If it happens, great. If not, I think we'll all complain when they both retire, having never fought. There's enough interesting guys at the weight class for it to not be a major issue for now. But yeah, if that doesn't happen, it'd be like the um, Chang Yu fight from the 80s that should have happened and so many others that we should have got. 
and for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. And I mean, is it a TV thing? Is it a promotional thing? No, I don't think so. I don't really think there's anything holding it back. I think it's just one of those things, um, especially with Kenshiro losing to Yabuki and uh, Kaikushi's injury wars recently. I think that's sort of perhaps put dampers on it a little bit, but another win by each guy later this year and perhaps the, perhaps the energy for it starts up again. You're saying it needs to marinate a little. I'm saying both guys <laughs> need to do a little something. It has to it has to marinate like Spence and Crawford has been marinating for years and years. Yeah, the difference is that one of those guys hasn't just lost in the last twelve months. That's true. No, uh, their mar- their marination is is ready. They are ready. Uh, this one, it's a little bit different. I understand, but I, I still want to see it. Like we we know who the pretty sure everyone know who the two best guys are at one hundred eight, right? It's these two guys. Yeah, yeah, it's the belt that makes sense. It's the belt that we all want. It's the belt that they want. It's just perhaps the timing right now isn't quite right, but they've got to work towards it. And hopefully, later in the year on the same card in a sort of co-feature main event duo, then the next fight on, it makes sense to make it. Uh, a couple of days after this fight at Croc and Hall, uh, Tuesday the 14th, we have a pretty decent card. Uh, Akihiro Kondo fighting Koichi Aso. Also, cool little co-main event for the Japanese lightweight title. Uh, Izuki Tomioka against Shu Utsuki. Strangely, Boxrec actually got these the wrong way around. The Utsuki versus Tomioka bout is the headline bout, and Aso versus Kondo is the co-feature. But um, both are really interesting bouts. I think Aso Kondo will be the better bout. I think their styles just their styles have the potential to give us a genuine fight of the year with Aso being all aggression, Kondo being a slow, smart fighter. Um, I think Aso's pressure is going to just force Kondo into a firefight, and that could be one of those fights that just really works. As for Atsuki Tomioka, um. I'm not really sure what Otsuki's team is doing here, going up against a guy like Tomioka, where he won't get a lot of credit for beating him, but he can look really bad against Tomioka's style. Tomioka is a very good mover, has a very busy job, he's very accurate, he just has no power. And unfortunately, Otsuki's very flat-footed, very slow and methodical, and Otsuki really could look bad before bailing himself out later on with his power. June is is crazy right now for the, for boxing in general, uh, but it looks like you know the Japanese scene at least is picking up here in these months of May and June. Yeah, it feels overdue in many ways. Just to show the pandemic, so it's back almost two years, but it looks like we're finally getting in the right direction. You almost point back, or you look to different periods of the sport, and and we've seen it right uh, when World War Two happened. Uh, yeah, guys went to war and, and fought over there and, and put a halt to their careers. So this is just another thing that has happened in, in our lives. And um, it definitely stunted a lot of different guys' careers. But uh, really, no one, I, I think, was came out of this unaffected. Almost every boxer was affected by this pandemic. Yeah, I think some managed to use it to their advantage. I think uh, for Noya anyway, being out the ring for the next couple of months probably didn't 
some help letting his, uh, his uh, injuries heal a bit better. Especially that eye, right? Especially the eye. Uh, I think some of the American top-ranked guys as well, and I can't remember his name. I think he was like a school teacher who was on a lot of the bubble bouts. I think his career came out of nowhere, and he really made the most of it. And uh, I think Jared Anderson did the same. I think he made the absolute most of his opportunities. Um, but yeah, it affected all fighters, and very, very few did really well out of it. And it's maybe the one guy who wasn't affected was like Canelo. He was like the one guy who just kept fighting, but everyone else pretty much abrupt halt to their career. Uh, fingers crossed that what happened to the big Ukrainian uh, fighters who are perhaps going through something at the moment. No, definitely, and uh, you know our our prayers and thoughts with them and the people of Ukraine. But that's just a that's another example of guys who their careers are. Who knows what's going to happen with with Lomachenko and and what he does in the future? Obviously, boxing is you know it, it's it pales in comparison to the importance of what they're going through. Uh, but who knows when he's going to get back in the ring. Obviously, Usyk uh, expected to fight Joshua in a rematch, but, you know, stuff in life happens, and there's more in life that is a little bit more important than boxing. However, back to boxing. Let's get back to the topic at hand. Stop talking about the sad stuff. Um, we did get a major announcement this week that Kazuto Ayoka would be defending his WBO Super Flyweight title on July 13th against Donnie Nietes. Ayoka Nietes too, with Ayoka looking for revenge for his 2018 loss to Nietes and making his fourth mandatory in five defences. I don't think any of the champion spotters had that happen to them. Um, I'm happy to be corrected, but if any of the champions had five defences... Four mandatories, please, you know, tell me who. Right, right into Scott. Scott, give out your email so they can tell you. Asian Boxing at AsianBoxing.info for those who want to email him. <laughs> um, and the only thing is that this is probably uh, delayed a potential Ayaka versus Roman Gonzalez bout. I mean, that's the fight we want to see, guys. We don't need to see all the mandatories. I know Donnie Nietes, yeah, four division champ, and, and it's a rematch, but he's getting old. He's getting old. He didn't look good last time out. Um, he's done nothing to deserve a mandatory shot at a title. He willingly gave up. Let's have the the big, big fights for Ayaka, please. It'll be a great fight. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the fight anybody really wanted to see. Ayoka now at 33. I mean, he's, he's no spring chicken either. So you want to see him in the best fights as he probably gets closer to the end of his career. Yeah, it's a weird division, really, though, when you think about it. You've got Ayoka, Estrada, Roman Gonzalez, and Shisuke, all in their late to mid-30s. You've got Nietes, who's 40, I think. And then you've got uh, Kose Tanaka, and, of course, Bam Rodriguez, who is could well be the man of the division in the next few years. I see 115 as probably the best division right now. Uh, what I like about it is, is all the guys have fought each other. Uh, the one guy who seems to be kind of the, on the outside looking in, in terms of getting all those big fights though, has been Ioka. Yeah. He's not had the Gonzalez or Estrada or Shrisuke. He's missed out on the Dewey BC merry-go-round. I think we've basically called it in the past. Um, hopefully we see Fernando Daniel, uh, Daniel Martinez in another fight because he was brilliant versus Anka Haas as well. 
So Aoka back in the ring, Kyoguchi back in the ring, of course, Inoue Donaire 2. A lot coming up for your entertainment, for your enjoyment. And if you love Asian boxing, you know where to go. Tell them where to go, Scott. Where should they go? Asianboxing.info. That's right. Scott does a phenomenal job on the website. And uh, Scott, we're going to have to talk about it after uh, the fight happens on Tuesday. We're going to have to reconvene whoever comes out of that fight. Probably going to go for the undisputed title uh, at the Bantamweight division. Yeah, that's the hope. Fingers crossed. Everyone's doing it now, right? Like, it, it seems all of a sudden everyone just decided, oh, I'm going to become undisputed. Yeah, it's changed from, I want to be six division champions to, I want to hold all the belts in one. And I think in many ways that's better. I love it. Stop winning one title and then being like, oh, I don't want to fight the other guy, so I'm going to move up again and win a title against some bum and then move up again. I, I like the unifications and I like the undisputed title. And then the argument as to who was the best and who ducked who. Just face each other, find out, then move on. I love it, Scott. All right. Well, it's been the Asian Boxing Podcast. Asianboxing.info is the website. Remember, on Tuesday, for us, it's going to be in the morning. For Scott, it's going to be at lunchtime. For others, it'll be at night. Uh, but it'll be in no way donaire too. And uh, we'll all be looking forward to it. Thank you again for making us a part of your day wherever you may be. And we will talk to you next time.